You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 78. Let's get to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits Podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and as always, it is an honor and a privilege to have you here for another episode as we are just a few days away from Christmas. It's Christmas time. Unless you're listening to the archives, then it is probably not Christmas time. (laughs) It's so good to have you all here. We're finishing up 2020, and with it goes just, man, what a year. Right. When you look back at what you would have thought 2020 was going to be, I mean, I remember the year 2000 and traveling to England for a millennium rave called Gatecrasher 2000 GC. And it was just the event itself was horrible. It was super freaking freezing. We were from Orlando. We did. We we wanted to dress like we were going to be inside at a club around hot and sweaty people. And instead, we were underneath a gigantic tent over a soccer field in um, does it leads? Oh, you know, my mind's forgetting now, but I always remembered before. But anyways, wherever Gatecrasher was back at the time, I want to say Leeds. I could be wrong. It doesn't matter. It was cold. It was miserable. The memory of the event is way better, way better than, than the actual being at the event. But I just remember the, the, the hope and the majesty and the excitement of going into the year 2000 and year 2010 you know, going into that new decade and how exciting it was to be able to leave the aughts behind and 9-11 and just, you know, we had recently had the economic crash. So certainly we were thinking, okay, what's going to happen in 2020? You know, in in 2001, 9-11 happened. So that whole decade started off with just, you know, that horror And then we're going into 2010, and we had just had the economic crash from the subprime mortgages and the the real estate crisis, and the whole world economy was rocked to its core. And so certainly, we're thinking, 2020, come on, be gentle, be nice. Oh, it was so the opposite. (laughs) So what we're going to discuss today because I really do believe at some point we all just get ourselves so worked up and so going, right? You know, it's it's really the college way. It's, you know, you've got two, three, four classes depending on your course load. You've got a job. You've got relationships. Maybe you're in, the, maybe you're Greek. Maybe you're in clubs. You've just got so much going on. And we get used to running at this operational tempo, which is a military term I was turned on to by Tom Rigsby, who you might remember from episode two. He's been on some other episodes as well. And he is a former military guy. And I was talking to him. I was like, dude, I'm just, I'm exhausted. I am exhausted. My brain is tired. My body feels tired. 
If I stay up late and try to sleep in, that doesn't work. If I try to go to bed early, that doesn't seem to work. I am just tired. And we started going through my list of accomplishments from this year. And it's pretty extensive. Very extensive. More extensive than I would have thought had I not put this entire list together. In fact, I recommend everyone sit down, go back through your calendar, and start really looking at what it was you accomplished this year. And there's different organizational ways that I do this. Um, I won't necessarily get into it right now, but because I don't want this to turn into a 45-minute long episode. What's key here is that when you go through and you start writing down what you accomplished, you begin to understand what it exactly was that you have just put yourself through. And I think that at the end of the year is an amazing opportunity to really dissect what it was that you accomplished on your goal list, what still was left over that you weren't able to accomplish, and then really start to ask yourself, why were some of the goals that you set not accomplished? And not to beat yourself up over them, but to find out if they were ever really goals that you should have even set for yourself. You know, when Tom came, Tom Rigsby came on for episode two, we talked about P4F and having a priority for every day and a four focuses. And that priority is the number one thing you have to get done for that day to be a win. So if you start looking at your year like a priority for focuses, instead of just for the day, use it the entire year. Are you putting things on your goal list just so you can look down and feel like you've got 47 goals? So remembering what Tom Rigsby taught back in episode two with P4F and how we used it for our days, let's look at how we might use it for the year. And you start to prioritize one main thing you're looking to accomplish for the year, and then you have your other focuses. Now, obviously, when you think about an entire year, you know, only having one priority, it could be difficult. And since we're not looking to stretch our brains any further than we already have this year, I do like to have a priority and four focuses for each month, for each quarter, for each half year. And you guys can obviously break it down, down by semesters. And so when you go back and you look over this goal list that you created, is it really necessarily needing to be as long as that you've made it? You want to be able to walk away from the each year saying, I have accomplished my main goals. And if you look down and some of these goals weren't really all that worth prioritizing, let alone focusing on, then you might just be adding fluff to your list. Head hitting the pillow, if you found out you didn't accomplish one of these goals, would it make you get up and just work your tail off until it was done? Why this episode's about operational tempo is because the way that Tom explained it to me and how much the pace at which I've been keeping myself going this entire year, he's like, you know, you just can't maintain that, Jesse. At some point, you have to unplug, right? And so when I Googled operational tempo, I came across some military site, and it lays it out like this. Operational tempo is the speed and intensity of our actions relative to the speed and intensity of unfolding events in the operational environment, Right, so and it goes on to talk about this was clearly made for firefighters, but let's talk about operational tempo in the context of the college environment. 
So it is the speed and intensity of your actions relative to the speed and intensity of the unfolding events in your environment. So it's the speed and intensity of your actions in college relative to the speed and intensity of the unfolding events in college. So if you literally have weeks where there's two tests and then the next week there's two papers and the next week there's, you know, two more tests and you got another paper and then you have a speech and then you've got to go work with the club three days a week and then you've also got a relationship and then you're Greek or you're in various clubs and you also have a full-time job. I mean, you see how your speed and intensity of your actions being relative to the speed and intensity of the unfolding events in your environment can literally just get you constantly going to the point where they're just, it, it's just nonstop. And for you, my international listeners out there, you know, albeit I speak specifically about the United States because this is where I went to school. I've spent time in Belgium, Luxembourg, Austria, uh, Liechtenstein, France, and Germany. I've spent, you know, a good, yeah, it was back, it was a long time ago, so like four months off and on working for a company there. And I remember how fast and hard we were supposed to be doing this marketing and advertising work. And then I went to Singapore and those people are on a whole nother level. One of my workstations was in the Bahamas. Those people are constantly on island time, even when they're clocked in. And they're, they should be thinking about working hard. They're not like, hey, mud, we're on island time. I'm like, I'm on island time. You're clocked in. You're working. You should be moving faster. Here in the States, and I know this is what people have said about us, statesers, stateies, Americans, whatever you want to call us, that we really do just go, go, go. We drive ourselves extremely hard. It is like a badge of honor to never slow down and stop. So hopefully you're in an environment where you do have some people hanging their hats on the idea that it's cool to slow down. In the United States, that's not always the case. And this is why we get a lot of people selling products that help you relax. A lot of people, I mean, this is why our healthcare industry on the relaxed side of it is a billion dollar multi, just huge billion dollar engine. We talk about self-care so much here in the States and so much within our environment because so many of us are the, we're the, as soon as we start getting too busy, there goes the diet, there goes the exercise, there goes the sleep. So now that we are literally two days away from Christmas, and for many of you, you're not going to have to go back to school for two, three, four weeks, probably hanging out at the house. Generally, most of the country is cold. I'm in Southern California. We're not those cold people, but generally, it's cold. It's a great time to hibernate and chill. If you continue to try to move at that operational tempo you were throughout the semester, because you feel like, well, I got momentum, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. It now is time to start thinking about ways to slow the engine down. I'm stepping away from the computer starting tomorrow morning, Christmas Eve, and I won't get back on the computer for any kind of heavy lifting other than a little bit of Instagram, social media, just because, which isn't really work to me. But I won't get back on the computer till next Wednesday which will be New Year's Eve Eve, I think. And so that's when I'll shoot my next two podcasts and I'll talk about my trip to Zion and how I unplugged. It's going to be super awesome. 
I'm not great at unplugging. It's why this episode is about unplugging. Operational tempo, constantly moving at this intense speed. It is exhausting. It even goes on to say in the notes that I found, successfully maintaining operational tempo is not solely about speeding up to match or exceed the pace of the environment. It is also about knowing when operations should slow down and why. When I was a lifeguard at Wet n Wild, they taught us how to save people, whether it was in the pool or whether it was from slipping and falling or a seizure or choking um, or CPR. We practiced that so much so that whenever we were in a situation, and I was multiple times, that we needed to call, be able to call upon those skills, it actually seemed like time slowed down. Like athletes talk about whenever they get in the flow. When you are in the flow in the, in the height of your college experience, or when you're working on a paper or studying for a test, that's a beautiful thing. When you notice that the flow is going away and it starts feeling like you're plodding along, that is an excellent sign to step back and take a breath. If you're cramming for a test the night before, beyond the fact that you know I don't agree with that as a study mechanism, go read the book Ultra Learning or go listen to it on Audible and you'll hear many better ways to do it than cramming, which he speaks about extensively as not being a positive way to learn anything. But when you're cramming, and you're like, I can't stop for even 10 minutes. But now you're plodding along. You might as well just be sitting there reading a foreign language. Is that much of a waste of your time to continue trying to push forward? Knowing when to slow down is just as important as knowing when to speed up. The notes I, I pulled off the internet go on to say that we are most vulnerable to accidents and errors when the operational tempo is changing, especially when it changes quickly. Maintaining good situational awareness in spite of change in operational tempo represents a considerable challenge. You've got to practice good judgment and determine whether to push forward or pull back while making necessary planning and resource adjustments. What this is basically saying is that you have to know when to speed up, when to slow down, when to push forward, and when to pull back. If your studying is beginning to feel like you're just trying to climb up a mountain of ice and you're, and you're slathered in olive oil, then it's time to pull back. Making necessary planning and resource adjustments at the night before a test or a paper is due, it's going to be difficult to make planning and resource adjustments in that moment because your paper or your test is eight hours away. But in the future, you have got to begin to understand that shoving information into your head or smashing down on keys for eight straight hours in, in, a, in a futile attempt to put together an amazing paper the night before. It is doing you a disservice. Look, I am the first one who will say yes to everything and keep piling it on. And this year has taught me that while that is fun for a period of time, it actually has got me to step back and say, okay, how much of that was just to keep me busy 
So I felt like I was staying in flow. And how much of that was actually building up my business, putting me in situations where I not only could be of service, but where I could also build my my financial income based off of speaking and teaching and keynote addressing and writing the book and the podcast and everything else. They talk a lot about in my industry, the speaking and coaching and trainer world, have you put yourself in money-making opportunities where you can use that similarly in your college experiences? Have you put, where have today you put yourself in a good grade-making opportunity, in a good learning opportunity? If you start having consistent days that you walk away from feeling like you haven't really put yourself in a position to prepare to get a better grade on the next test or to prepare for the paper that's due in three weeks, you need to readjust your planning and your resources. Having good situational awareness for what's most important now and making sure that's tops on the priority list working on something that will get you a good grade right now today over something that will get you a good grade two months from now is very important to know. It's like, why would you start working on paper three when paper one's due in a week, right? Like it's that kind of situation. Why would you study for a test for the second test when you still need to get a good grade on the first one? Or if you have a test on Thursday, why are you studying for a test that's next Thursday? Be aware of these things. And this might sound obvious to some of you, but I can assure you there's people out there who are like, well, I mean, I like that one subject better, so I'd rather study it. Well, that's awesome. It's good that you have subjects that you like. We all do. General studies is the worst part about college. I'd really rather just go in like either knowing you're going to be languages or knowing you're going to be mathematics and just not having to worry about anything on the other side. I don't want to do anything involving algorithms or Pythagorean's theorems. So can I just please just study languages? I just want to write. I just want to edit. I just want to create and design and do awesome stuff like that. That's not the college environment we have now. Still stuck in the old ways. Unless you're going to a school that specifically is about art or music or math or engineering. So you have to have situational awareness to know what's the most important thing that needs to be done now. It's like doing CPR. It's ABC, airway, breathing, circulation. If you're checking circulation before you check airway, right, you're doing it out of order. You want to be doing it in the correct order. And if we allow our operational tempo to, to begin to put us in a reactive state rather than a responsive state, then this situation is now controlling us and it's not the other way around. We want to be controlling this situation. Emotionally triggered is reaction. Emotionally grounded is responding. If you're just jumping from one task to the next over and just to do, to do, to do, to do, to do, to do, right? Lacking a good plan or even a generalized plan. And it's just like, you know, how many people do you know who've told you about jobs and it's like, oh, i just putting out fires all day. Then they're in a reactive state the whole day. I, when I talk to those business people out there who are living in that kind of work environment, they walk away from that day feeling like they accomplished nothing because what was on their to-do list never got touched because they were putting out everybody else's fires. 
you don't want to be the one bringing fires to people, and nor do you want to, anymore do you want to be the person who has to put those out all the time. So if you're running a club, or you're in a group study situation, or a group paper writing situation, or you're working at the newspaper what new yearbook, if you're in high school, well, I guess they still had one of those in college, maybe. If you're constantly putting out other people's fires, you need to get your team thinking about their operational tempo and their social and self-awareness. We talked about social and self-awareness when we discussed emotional intelligence 2.0. Go back and check that out in the archives. I'll be bringing up that a lot going into 2021 because it's time to step into a, an emotionally intelligent space. And I believe one of the ways to do that is understanding how operational tempo, your speed and intensity of your actions relative to the speed and intensity of your college environment, your college workload, how important it is to make sure that you figure out a way to balance it. Those magnum cum laude people who go to Stanford or Harvard or Yale or Princeton, they they can operate at a different operational tempo. But no matter how good they think they are, at some point they still have to know when to slow down. You may not burn out in a year. You may not even burn out in five. But the longer you can go without hitting a wall, I believe it just means that you're going to hit the wall that much harder. Unless you're practicing self-care. Unless you're managing your tempo. Monitoring where you can begin to put in a little bit more relax and a lot less go. So I'm going to get you out of here on this five-step plan in order to be more aware of your operational tempo and to be able to slow yourself down. I want the focus right now to be on slowing yourself down, on chilling out. I'm going to bring this topic back up next year as we begin to go into the spring semester so we can start looking at operational tempo as something that we can actually utilize in our lives where we can speed up when necessary and then pull back and slow down when it's not. That in the throes of two tests and two papers due in the same week, you've prepared so that you're not trying to do all of it in a week. That at that point, you're just editing you know, a couple little pieces of the paper, and for the most part, you've got your main studying done, and maybe now you're on to the last part, which I've always thought was flashcards, just to make sure that you had some, some pretty good you know, specific recall on information. So we'll bring up operational tempo down the road, and how you'll be able to utilize that then. And you'll really start to be able to utilize just this term. So that when you see other people freaking out because you work on the school newspaper and we just you just lost your best quote because it was not good or because the person pulled out of the interview or something goes wrong and everybody else starts to panic, you can just slow down and you can drop into that flow because you know it right then and there that the operational tempo did just pick up like 10 notches but you were prepared for it. This is why in the military and with fire department and for the the first responders, they practice these things so many times so that when their operational tempo does quadruple in a heartbeat because of something, a calamity that just went down, they're able to, to fall back on just the muscle memory of knowing what to do in those stressful situations. If you begin to adhere to a better way of handling stressful situations now, you will be able to practice those habits and skills around handling stressful situations for the rest of your life in a much more manageable, better for your long-term health kind of way. You'll see the people who aren't 
focusing on better ways to handle their stress management. And because you're paying attention to yours, you'll be able to go off and teach other people how to pay attention to theirs. So when we bring that up in the spring, look forward to it. For now, I'm going to five-step plan that you can do right now to slow yourself down and relax, to lower your tempo. The operations are done. You have been able to go home from the military conflict or from the service. You're on holiday break. You should not be attempting to still operate at the same tempo you were back in September, October, November. I made it real easy for you to be able to remember this five steps by highlighting six key words in these five steps. And the six key words are clear away plans, breathe, exercise, and sleep. Clear away plans, breathe, exercise, and sleep. Step one, clear your calendar. Clear it. It's what I've done. Cleared it. No, I will not take your meeting. No, I will not take your call. No, I will not join your group. No, I will not take on that project. No, I won't. Clear my calendar. Hello, Christmas Eve. That's it. Next Wednesday, I'll do some stuff around the podcast. I'll start thinking about my program that I'm building for uh, teaching people NLP. And then I'll step away from the computer again for New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. And I will just enjoy the new year rolling in. And I'll watch some football. Clear your calendar. Step two, step away from the tech. If you are sitting on your laptop and you think that you're going to somehow not start working, even though what you normally do on your laptop all the time is work, you are wrong. Or worse, you'll just start filling around on the internet and before you know it, four hours have gone by. You didn't really relax. Your eyes are straining. You're jumping all over. You got 15, 20 tabs open. You went down a Wikipedia hole. Next thing you know, you're reading about Einstein's theory of relativity. At the same time, you're reading about how many senses the ancient Egyptians think the human mind and body actually had. It's not relaxing. If you find that relaxing, then more power to you. Who am I to say what's relaxing to most people? But step away from the tech. Don't spend three hours swelling through Instagram. Don't be on Facebook replying to everybody's Christmas pictures and stuff. Just put it away. It is not just millennials or Gen Xers who have been addicted to technology since the 80s when video games were first invented or the smartphone ever. Everybody is addicted to their smartphone. Some aspect of that phone has you addicted to it. The news notifications or the sports notifications or Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat or TikTok. Sit there and blow through two hours watching silly videos of people on TikTok can seem like fun, but was it really a way to let your brain shut off? Because it's just constantly getting these dopamine hits every single time you flip it to another video and it makes you laugh. Your brain's still firing on all cylinders while it's staring at that device. Step away from the tech. Everybody says it, and so few people actually do it. Hell, even the people who say to do it don't normally do it. 
I will only be on my phone over this time. I'm going to Zion to hike the mountains with my girlfriend and such. And I will only be on my phone to take pictures. I don't anticipate that I'll even think to post anything. When I come back, I've got tons of pictures and I will definitely be posting those. But while I'm there, you know, I'm there Saturday through Tuesday, just step away from the tech. Number three, don't make plans for at least a couple of days. Pick out some days and just don't make plans. This makes up the first three of my strategy steps here. Clear away plans. Clear your calendar, step away from the tech, and don't make plans. Now I know, Jesse, what's the difference between clear the calendar and don't make plans? Clearing the calendar to me is like, let's not work. Not making plans is just like, hey, what do you want to do tomorrow? I don't know. Let's just get up whenever we get up. And let's just do whatever we want to do. Want to go for a hike or a walk or jump around in leaves or have a snowball fight? Sure. But let's not schedule it. Let's just let it play out. You're sitting on the couch. You're tired of sitting on the couch. Hey, let's go outside. What do you want to do? I don't know. Let's just go outside and figure it out. Don't stress so much about knowing what every little step is going to look like moving forward. Don't make plans. Just be in flow. Or don't be. And just be in relax. Being in relax flow is like the best flow. It's the hardest flow to get to, I think. Because being relaxed and shutting it down is one of the more difficult things we we do in our society. Number four, think about ways to release the stress from the day that actually allow you to breathe and chill. What can you do to breathe and chill? Taking a walk, not listening to music, just allowing the sounds of the outdoors to shower down upon you especially if you live somewhere where you can get away from the city noise. Think about ways to release the stress from the day that actually allow you to breathe and chill. Americans, and I read this somewhere, as a study to say that we breathe the most, like some of the most shallow breathing in the, um, the industrial, of the industrial countries. It's like we're constantly in this state of fight, flight, freezer sex right the the four it's like constantly in this state of fight or flight it's like this constant ah! breathe deep relax staring at your phone watching tiktok and instagram i promise you a majority of the time you're shallow breathing so you want to step away from the tech and find ways that actually allow you to breathe and chill took a little sip of water there Spilled it all down my shirt. (laughs) Number five, exercise and sleep. So the first three are clear away plans. That's one whole little sentence. Step four and five are breathe, exercise, and sleep. Activity is an amazing way to take on some self-care. It is an amazing way to help you relax. I know for some of you who may not do that very often, who might think walking to the mailbox is annoying and difficult, I can assure you, that there is nothing better for the body to do but then to push itself, even if that's just to the mailbox and back. Using your brain is awesome. And that will, that is, I think mental aptitude and mental acuity is extremely important. 
but your body is the vessel that holds your brain. Do something active to keep yourself going. If you talk to anybody who puts a lot of time into exercise and health, they will say that nothing will push your nothing will push you harder. Your brain, your mind, your body, nothing. Mind, body, spirit, all of it. Nothing will get pushed harder than whenever you push your body. You think cramming a bunch of engineering notes into your head over the course of a week for a test on Friday is amazing. How about you go see how fast you can run a mile, jog a mile, walk a mile backwards, do 50 air squats, do something that gets your blood pumping. It is so amazing for you. I cannot stress it enough. In my 20s, I did work out. I also would leave the gym, go have chili cheese dogs, and then drink all night, but I tried. (laughs) And last but not least, and I'll get you out of here on this one, sleep. I know I should be sleeping more. I know I should be going to bed earlier. I shouldn't be staring at my computer till 10, 11 o'clock at night working, and then in order to be able to quote-unquote chill and relax, flip on the TV and watch an hour or two of television, which I find absolutely entertaining, but it's not shutting down my brain. I recently went back to read my Dean Koontz books before I go to sleep. That certainly helped. Reading a personal development book doesn't help. That's because that's trying to teach me something. And therefore, my brain wants to be wired to read, 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 and take notes and highlight and use voice memos and all those other things that I've taught myself to do in order for me to be able to assimilate those books into my brain as efficiently and productively as possible. Has to be a book to me that doesn't ask me to think. These are some things that you can be doing. And again, I know that this is an international show. So for some of y'all, this might not even be the world you think you live in. You might think, ah, man, we live in Greece or Spain and we take siestas all the time. There's still, because you're in college, there's still those things because you're in school that you're pushing, pushing, pushing hard, hard, hard. Slow down when it's time to slow down. Don't try to maintain operational tempo when it's not necessary. No matter how good you are at going and handling a lot at once, everybody needs a break. Clear away plans and then breathe, exercise, and sleep. I want you to have a great holiday depending on where you are and what religion you believe in. It could be Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Merry Christmas, whatever the holiday may be. Happy that, marry that. For me, it's, it's, it's a Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. <laughs> I will see you next week where we'll do our New Year's show as we move into 2021. May it be better. May it, you know, I, to me, I had a great 2020. So I'm not even going to say better. May it just be less chaotic than 2020, which, I mean, mind you, I don't really know how it couldn't be <laughs> less chaotic. Inclusivity over exclusivity is always the power of positive energy, release and flow. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, review me on iTunes. The algorithm is killing me lately. I could really use the bump. Go to Jesse Mogul, at Jesse Mogul on Instagram. 
or at from sobriety to recovery at Instagram. Give me your follow. Hit, hit, hit some double taps on that. Let me know what you think about this episode. Any episodes, leave a comment. Let me know that you're out there. You're checking me out. And as always, as always, as always, I'll do it one more time. The power of positive energy. Release and flow. Much love. See you next week. Bye-bye. 